Good morning, everyone. This is Pastor Troy Baum with the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. Good to have you back here on a bright and shiny uh, Monday morning. Uh, glad everyone that's been here with me. Just Really, I was just thinking about this morning. I just so much appreciate all those that, that tune in with us live uh, every single morning because I know it's a, such a sacrifice. It takes such a commitment to do that. But I'm hoping that you are reaping the, the benefits and the dividends of that commitment to the Word of God. You know, we, we say it all the time. It's not it's not just a word. It's really a, a, a lifestyle. When you get into God's Word, God's Word will get into you. And it really serves as a benefit in every single area of your life. Yeah, You know, David said, early will I seek Him. And just starting out your day in the Word of God, in the study of the Word of God, it, it really should transform your outlook on every single thing else. And it really builds up your faith. You know, I know some of you guys, and, and not just you that are live, but others that are with us uh, through other electronic mediums, uh, you find that uh, you're, you're having to overcome things in your life, difficulties or uh, obstacles that the adversary would throw at you. But you know what, folks? The only way to overcome those things is through faith. And the only way that you're going to increase your faith is through uh, a dedication uh, to the Word of God. And so I know that you know as we get into the Word, the Word gets into us. What it does, it produces what it was designed to produce, and that's to build up our most holy faith. It causes us to look beyond the limitations of what we see and to hold fast to what God has said and know that God is faithful in, in the midst of every single circumstance that we might find ourselves involved in. And so I really appreciate you, and I thank you for your commitment, your firm commitment, and your dedication to the Word of God, and I know that it's going to really... Uh, uh, be something uh, for you, and it's going to do a work in your life as well. So thank you so much for that. Um, we're going to go to the Lord in prayer this morning, just thanking the Lord. If you're tuning in for with us for the first time, once again, I'm Pastor Troy Baum with the Raven Institute, and we are here Monday through Friday, uh, every single week, uh, and we're doing an expository teaching on the book of Romans. And thank you for joining us. If you have not, this is class number, class number 61, and we are actually in Romans chapter 6. And so you've come at a great time. And so we want to thank you for being here and uh, for being a part of our, our study and our teaching. But if you have not been a part of those, you can actually go to our website at www.biggrace.com and you can click on Raven Institute. And when you get to Raven Institute, you'll, you'll find the, the classes that are there, uh, our previous chapters. And so you can download those. Those are uh, There's no charge for that. Download those in MP3 format. Uh, onto your computer, uh, burn them onto a disc, whatever you'd like to use those things, we make those available to you. And once again, there are 60 classes already available just on the book of Romans. So thank you for joining us. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer and just believe that God's going to just uh, do something in our teaching today, uh, that, that God will just uh, use this as really a catalyst for you to get deeper into God's Word and get a greater understanding of Him and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives as well. So Father, we just thank you for this day. We just thank you for the opportunity, Lord God, to know you, Lord God, in a deeper and more intimate way, Lord Jesus. We thank you that the Word declares for us in John chapter 1 that in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. And I thank you, Lord God, that today we have a living, Lord God, uh, testimony of Jesus Christ in our hearts and lives. We also have that written, that theonoustos, Lord God, that God-breathed Word that was given, Lord God, and, and that inspiration, Lord God, that you empowered men to, to sit and to write, Lord God, literally the words that, that came from your breath, Lord God, upon us. And we just ask in the name of Jesus, Lord God, for you just to begin to do a work in our hearts and lives. Lord God, we realize the day and hour in which we live. We know, Lord God, that we are living, Lord God, on the, the, the short side, Lord God, of this day and age. We know that we are 
Lord God, rapidly racing towards that place called eternity. And we're asking in the name of Jesus, Lord God, for you to find us faithful, Lord God, in this day and age. Father, we just want to be like those servants, Lord God, to the Master when He returned. He found them so doing. Lord God, we don't want to just be hearers, Lord God, here uh, Monday through Friday, but we want to take these things and actually be doers of the Word that you have entrusted us to. Lord God, let us be laborers in the harvest who put our hands to the plow and do not look back. Father, I pray, Lord God, for those that are with us today, those in other countries that are using this, Lord God, to, to teach Bible uh, uh, students, Lord God, in, in Africa, Lord God, in India and in, in, and in Pakistan, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. I pray for those, Lord God, those that are, that are undergoing, Lord God, a great persecution, those that have had to literally, Lord God, abandon family and, and, uh, and, and put their lives at risk just for the cause of Christ Jesus. We, we, we appreciate them. We appreciate, Lord God, the inspiration that they bring to us, Lord God, and we hope that we can just, Lord God, reciprocate that by just devoting to them, Lord God, uh, the word that you've entrusted us to strengthen them. We pray that they would they would have faith, Lord God, and, uh, and would have strength and would not faint, Lord God, in their hour of adversity, but they'd continue to, to remain steadfast and immovable, Lord God, in the things of God. We thank you, Lord God, for, for those in this nation and in Canada and North America that join us, Lord God, on a daily basis. Ask you to fill us, Lord God, with understanding and wisdom, Lord God. Empower us, Lord God, Father, to be an empowerment to others through the preaching of the gospel. We ask you today, Lord God, just search our hearts. Try us, Lord God, see if there be any wicked way within us. Anything that would be an epitus, Lord God, or uh, to, uh, to, to, to your spirit moving in us, Lord Jesus, we just ask that you remove those things. We just ask, Lord God, any doubt, fear, unbelief, unforgiveness, pride, Lord God, whatever it might be, Lord God, that would, that would hinder, Lord God, us hearing, Lord God, clearly your word and, and, and knowing your voice in a more intimate way of understanding. We ask that you remove those things, Lord God. The word says that your people perish because of lack of knowledge. We desire Lord God, to know you, but not, Lord God, not a type of knowing that we're constantly learning, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. We want to know you, Lord God, in an intimate way that we might be doers and we might reproduce, Lord God, after your kind, after the Word of God in other people's lives as well. Pray for those that have been sick in body, those that have been uh, afflicted, Lord God, with infirmity. We bind those things up and we declare that by the stripes of Jesus, Lord God, they are healed. We just ask and thank you, Lord God, for the many testimonies that are, that are coming out. I thank you for the testimony, Lord God, of, of, of Sue Scott right here in Daytona Beach, Lord God, her, her report that it's, it's just, uh, Lord God, to the doctors, it's, it's, it's so incomprehensible after what they had originally told her. I thank you for that. And I'm, I'm thanking you, Lord God, in advance for the full, Lord God, testimony of her complete and total healing, Lord God, from this, this thing that's tried to attack her physical body. I thank you, Lord God, that you're doing these things, that you're no respecter of persons, that your hand is not short and that you cannot heal, Lord God, that you cannot deliver. And I pray for those, that, Lord God, that are just overcoming circumstances, situations. Father, there's those, those that are involved in this ministry that are desiring to, to sell their homes, Lord God, and to, to just advance, Lord God, into the destiny that you have for them. I just ask that you would just expedite that process. Lord God, you've got uh, buyers, Lord God, that, that need those properties, and I'm praying that you would just connect them together. We just come against the enemy that would come to, to circumvent that process, that would to, to discourage or dissuade. Father, we ask in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that you would cause those things to rapidly come to play, Lord God, in the past. Lord God, that your, your kingdom might be advanced, Lord Jesus. Just remove any stress, Lord God, any worry, any anxiety, Lord God. And just cause faith, Lord God, to superabound in our lives. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen, amen, and amen. Give me a snort of this coffee. Ah, good stuff. All right, folks. Uh, listen, we really, uh, we're here, in, if you're just tuning in, we're here in the book of Romans, the sixth chapter. We're looking at verses one and two today. 
But we, what we've done is we've begun really what, what could be called one of the central and most important chapters in our study in the book of Romans. And, and really in the whole of the Word of God, if you want to get victory over something, you've got to first identify your adversary and who that thing is. And so this chapter really serves really just to begin and define and deal with the one who has become, who has the greatest negative influence on humanity, and it's it's not the devil, folks. You know, uh, as bad as he is, you know, he's a he's a destroyer, he's a, a deceiver of the nations, he's all these type of things. But the greatest, uh, probably negative influence on humanity is, is not the devil or Satan or old Slewfoot. It's actually the sin nature. It's it's me and you. You know, I remember years ago I was counseling a, a man. This is when I was pastoring in Texas, and and he'd come in, and he wasn't a member of our church. But he'd, he'd came into the, to the, to the church and he's wanting some counsel. I was talking to him. And, and I just asked him the question. I said, Sir, I said, are you saved? And uh, I, I knew in my heart that he wasn't just because of the fruit of his life and what he's lived in and how he was talking and everything else. But I want to give him the, the, the benefit of, of his own doubt because it wasn't my doubt. I, didn't, I knew exactly where he stood. But I said, are you saved? And he said, oh, of course I'm saved. Then I gave him a follow-up question that I think kind of threw him off just a little bit. I said, so... Let me ask you a question. What are you saved from? And so, you know, and he was really perplexed by that. And he, he sat there almost stupefied just for a minute and kind of stymied by the, the nature of my question. And so I asked him the question, what are you saved from? And so I'll, I'll just pose the same question to you folks today. You that listen to us live and those that are listening to us later on through our uh, website or, or somebody's giving you a CD. Are, are you saved? And so, you know, many of you folks are going to give the collective yes. And the next question I'm going to ask you is, what, what are you saved from? Are, are you just saved from one day not having to go to hell? Are you saved from not feeling so miserable? What are you really saved from? And we need to ask ourselves that question on a daily basis. You know, folks, uh, the salvation is, is like the, the manna that you gather on a daily basis. You know, his, his mercies are brand new every single morning. And so you've got to gather up your, your salvation and the benefits of such every single day. Otherwise, what ends up happening is you forget what you're saved from. And, and, and you just, it becomes, well, I really don't know. And instead of, well, we've talked about many times on this program, it ceases to be Christianity, it becomes churchianity. It's not something that you are, it's what, just something that you do. And, and folks, listen, if, you're, if your relationship with Jesus has just been a, a series of do's and don'ts, or, a, uh, or meeting some type of criteria on a, on a weekly Sunday, uh, you've, you've missed it. And you're really not, you're not saved, I'll just say it right off the bat. But really what you're saved from is you. Because when we're born, and we've studied this throughout the book of Romans, and specifically in, the, in that uh, fifth chapter, we begin to look at that, that, how, um, that imputation of, or put on account of unrighteousness that came through the fall of Adam. How that, that, how that sin superabounded in, in a rain. We saw that in, in chapter 5, verses 20 and 21, and how it just had dominion over our lives, and it set upon our, our, the throne of our heart like a king. And so when we're saved, literally what we do is we, we push that king, or we push that authority, we push that domination off of the throne of our heart, and we invite Christ Jesus to come in. And so when we're saved, really you need to put that down. It was when I got saved, I got saved from me. Because you were the one that was headed to hell uh, with no passing go, no collecting two hundred dollars, no no escape until you begin you became a new person. Because folks, who you were 
there, there was nothing salvageable about that. You had to become a new creature in Christ Jesus. And we, you know, we look at that, what Paul told the church at Corinth, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. You've got to become brand new. And, and, and so we've got to get saved from us. And so the, the people all the time, they go around saying stuff like, well, the devil made me do it. or As though really their, their biggest problem is that they are getting their arm twisted by this outside source into committing some sin and, and they have no control over their actions. or You know, that's just the way I was raised. Yeah, you might have been raised, but, but what you're doing is you're acting out the fulfillment and the fruit of who you are. You know, we witness to a lot of people on the streets of, the, of this country and, and elsewhere as well. And, you know, as we're talking to them, you know, they'll recognize who we are and who we obviously who we represent in Jesus Christ. And if they're using profanity, a lot of times they'll stop themselves. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that. And a lot of times I'll say, "Well, let's keep on talking. That's just that's how you talk because that's who you are, and you're just speaking out of the abundance of your heart. You don't have to apologize on my behalf. You know, it'd be like trying to tell a chicken to stop clucking or a dog to stop barking. There's a reason that a chicken clucks and a dog barks. Is that's who they are. And folks, you'll never change what you do or what someone else does apart from who they are. And so when Jesus came. He didn't change to, to come to change your, your 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 ways. He came to change who you were, and so he knew if he changed it from the inside, then natural progression would be about who you are. And I think about that out of First uh, Samuel chapter sixteen, when uh, the prophet Samuel went into the house of Jesse to find the uh, the new king over Israel after uh, Saul had been rejected by God, and he began to look at the brothers, and obviously the father presented the oath first, which was customary in the Jews culture uh, but he got all the way down he said don't you have any more sons and so when he got to David David obviously didn't look the part but he said that you know man looks at the outward appearance but God looks at the heart and folks you may see somebody that, that looks like on the outward appearance because of their past life the rank is sinner they may have their, their, their physical body may have been scarred and battered and everything else from, from sin but on the inside they're brand new but in the same respect you may find somebody that cleans up real nice and they know how to walk the part. They, they know how to go through all the religious uh, uh, type of apparatus within the, the, the church community. But inside you'll find out uh, uh, real quick just by being around them that they're genuinely not changed and transformed. So what we've got to do is we've got to come to the point where we, uh, we recognize that, that it's not some arm twisting or how we were, but it's, it's a cha- tra- change in the transformation of who we were. And who we were is who, who binds us and who we were is is a destroyer, and so you know when people say that they have no control control over that, that's not only just false, but this thinking literally will just lead to more and more failure and more and more bondage to sin itself if we don't realize who we are. And so, uh, is swearing a sin? We'll cover that. If you got questions, I'll try to answer those at, at the very end. And so, uh, if you do not realize that your greatest obstacle to walking in righteousness is you then you will never be able to overcome it. So in Christ Jesus, we've got to become that new creature. And so the adversary or the devil or Satan or whatever you want to call him is the one who tempts, pressures, or entices you to disobey or to obey excuse me, the sin nature uh, and then as a result to commit specific sins or transgressions themselves that will serve to separate you from your relationship uh, to, uh, to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so our question has been posed is, how do we overcome this? How do we overcome who we were? How do we overcome that sin nature that, that drives us? That thing that, that, that we, we think to ourselves, you know, I want to do better, I want to, I want to do good, and all of a sudden we find ourselves in that same treachery. You know, I've shared my testimony about who I was. You know, I, I grew up with, in, in somewhat of a religious environment. I grew up around those type of things. But because until I genuinely become born again, 
my life wasn't transformed. I tried as I might, but it was always just this struggle to do these things. And I'd find myself walking back in the same vileness, the same uh, same type of immorality that I lived in before because I wasn't any different. And, and I couldn't really be expected to be any different because I, my life wasn't changed. Uh, I might have gone to church. I might have done those type of things. But uh, once again, that didn't change who I was. That just changed what I did. And I think what the, the great calamity with, with, with in the confines of religion to this day, and specifically we'll talk, we're talking about Christianity, is that, that people aren't putting off who they were. They're just putting off who they are. And as a result, there's no power and there's no victory. And it becomes the great turnoff. You know, the, the church, so to speak, I'll use a little c there, has, it has a hard time convincing people to, to accept the, the message of Christ when they're not walking in the, the fruit of Christ Jesus. And, you know, the, the difference in churchianity, as I like to call it, in Christianity, is one is the devotion to Christ, and one is the devotion to just a religious system. I personally like to think that I'm devoted to Jesus. And you can call that whatever you want to, but my devotion is to Christ Jesus because He is my desire, He is my heart. He, he's who changed and transformed not what I do only, but who I am that enabled me to do things. We look at Ephesians chapter 2, that we're saved by grace, and not by works, lest any match boast, but we are His workmanship that now as a result of that has been created unto good works. And so the works are not what saves me. The works are what flows out of me because of who I am in Christ Jesus. So how do we overcome that sin nature? And, uh, and, and what is the, the place that we should focus on uh, in regards to this attack upon us through the, the old nature? And if you folks you missed yesterday's class, uh, you can go online at www.ravenoutreach.blogspot.com www.ravenoutreach.blogspot.com and you can download it to listen to it in its entirety. And, I, and, and I'm going to do just a little bit of a review on that since our last class, our live class took place uh, prior to the weekend. And some of you may not have retained all the, the information you need to on this. And so we want to look at a couple of things. Paul the Apostle was answering a question here when we get to Romans chapter 6 verses 1 and 2 that was really posed in, uh, to him in verses 20 and 21 of the previous chapter. And the question was, you might remember, it was dealing with uh, allowing righteousness uh, rather than sin to reign in your life like a king. And so when we allow righteousness to reign in our life like a king or in that place of ultimate authority, uh, you know, what is that going to reflect and what's that going to look like? And so Paul gets, gets, was offered this question in, in chapter 6, and so uh, verse 1, and so he poses it back. And he says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace might abound? And so basically the question that was being asked by Paul, probably those that are involved in some type of legalism, or, and, and really I said this on Friday, some people were saying, so what are you saying? Because you're saved now, because you're born again, that means you have a license to sin? Or that uh, because grace is there, that you don't have to worry about sinning? It's, and it's really neither one of those type of things. And it's really kind of short-sighted, and I think it's probably the reason... For it is because of the message that is, it has been uh, erroneously conveyed by people that pr uh, profess to be Christians, but generally they're not born again. And so in dealing with these people who only understood and abiding by the principles of an external law, Paul was now really having to indoctrinate them on the work of grace that was established upon the cross, uh, wherein the Spirit of God took up residence in the heart of an individual through faith, and in turn they became those new creatures that we talked about in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Rather than just someone who desperately was trying to maintain a standard where they had no internal supernatural support to overcome. I've been going and uh, I have a guy that I, I go to a, a, a gym and he's a personal trainer. And I've been talking to this, this gentleman and, 
as we're talking in our discussion, he's asked me about what I do, and I, I tell him that I, I preach the gospel. And uh, he's, he tells me in the conversation, he says, well, I'm a Catholic. And so my first question was, so are you a good Catholic or are you a bad Catholic? And, uh, and so, you know, I just threw it out just like it. And he says, well, you know, I, I think I'm a, I'm a good Catholic. And so I just let him go ahead and talk, and we're talking. And he asked me if I'm married. I said, yeah, I've been, I'm married. I'm married to this woman for 21 years. We got married at 19. We're both now 40. And just, you know, God's blessed and all these things. And I, and I said, I have two children, one going on 20, one going on 17. And, and so I asked him, are you married? He said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not married now. I said, so have you been married? He said, well, I've been married three times. And I said, well, that doesn't sound like a very good Catholic to me. And so then I said, so do you have children? He said, yeah, I have uh, seven children. And they're from, you know, pretty young to all the way up to 22 years old. And he said, and they're all from seven different mothers. I said, I said, your Catholicism is getting worse and worse all the time. And, uh, and so I asked him in the conversation this workout because he works me out real hard. And I said, so you kind of enjoy... Uh, bringing pain to me and hurting me. He said, yeah. He said, I don't mind it. He said, because I know it's going to produce some good. I said, so you're not going to mind me really lowering the boom on you in relationship to gospel. And I said, I may hurt your feelings a little bit. I said, but it's going to do you some good. And so uh, for the last five or six times that I've been with him, I just always make it a point to, to, to share the word of God and, and the genuine message of the cross of Calvary. But but this one young, this man is brought up. This is a guy in, in his 40s. He's originally from Belize, uh, which is in Central America, is that he was brought up around a system is what he was. He is, he is not a, quote-unquote, a good Catholic. And, you know, we want him to cross that bridge on good versus bad Catholicism. But even within the confines of those principles or those rules within Catholicism, he, he don't even measure up to that standard, and neither indeed can he be because he is not born again. Uh, Catholicism for this man is something that he does, or he'll go to a Mass periodically, but it's, not, it's obviously not anything that has changed his life. Why? Because he is a serial adulterer, he's a serial fornicator, he is uh, uh, fathering children out of wedlock, one right after the other. The other. And the, uh, the Word of God is explicit in telling us that, that, that people who practice such things, fornication, adultery, will not have an inheritance in the kingdom of God. This is a person, unless he repents for his actions, unless he turns away from who he is, he's never going to change what he does as a result of that sin nature having dominion over him. He's walking in these acts of sin that have already condemned him according to John chapter 3, verse 17. that says these, this is the condemnation uh, that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Their deeds are evil because their heart is evil. Because prior to coming to Christ Jesus, what we do is we, we walk in that evil heart of unbelief. We have, we have not, no ability towards righteousness. But something happens, and, and I can testify this, and many of you that are with me today, something totally supernatural happens to you at salvation. Now, did I, can I comprehend intellectually or even religiously what would happen to me when I got genuinely born again? I really could not. Uh, you know, I, I had to I had to receive it by faith. I had to receive that change and transformation. That when Christ came into my life, that He is not a man that He should lie. That that He is the Creator of everything. I had to believe that He died, that that He lived, that He came and He lived a sinless life. That He was God incarnate. That He hung upon the cross and He paid the the penalty for my sins. That what I couldn't overcome, and I had come to the end of myself so I could receive the benefit of Him. And so when I received Him by faith, and He came into my life. Literally, it became something that prior to that experience and prior to that, that intimacy with Him, uh, I, I could not fathom the, the comprehension of it. And, but, you know, once again, Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. He said, you know what? Eye has not even seen, ear has not heard, neither has entered in the hearts of those that God has prepared for those, the things for those that love Him. 
and really there was no comprehension about what could happen and what would change, be able to change and transform once the Lord Jesus Christ came into my life. And so when, when Paul is posing this question in Romans chapter 6, verse 1, really that's the exact same thing he's doing. He's dealing with the people, uh, mainly uh, this, this, this Jewish uh, group, that they're questioning him on his uh, doctrine of, 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 of grace through faith. Because once again, they'd, been, they'd, they'd come up around the law of Moses. And so they wanted to kind of not only have Jesus, but they wanted to maintain some type of allegiance to those type of things. And so he's dealing with them. And, and so you know, basically they were saying, so you're telling us that we don't have to walk according to the law then. You're, you're, you're saying that we might as well just continue to sin. So this grace or this charis or this divine influence upon our heart and its reflection in our life could even come to, to, to a greater degree. And so, and so what, what they had tried to maintain prior to the cross was really just an adherence to a, a strict set of guidelines or laws that they were powerless to keep in their flesh. Now through grace or that divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in life, they are now called up to allow a new king to reign and rule in their lives. And so, folks, what we've got to constantly keep at the forefront of our discussion on Romans and really at the forefront of our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ is the difference between sin and the sin nature. And so, once again, I'll tell you this, you need to remember, when, when Paul specifically is speaking in the book of Romans, in relationship to uh, uh, sin, that, that that word sin in the new in in, in Romans is is is, a, is with the Greek word it has the definite article, and so it's speaking of the sin nature. And so when he talks about sin, shall we? Uh, what should we say then? Shall we continue in sin? A better way to say that: Shall we continue in our old sinful ways or our sin nature? Shall we continue in the old way that grace may abound? And, and he, we'll answer that today in in our discussion. One second. Uh, sin, folks, is uh, is dealing with, and so like I said, in Romans chapter 6, it's dealing specifically with uh, the sin nature. And as a result of what it is, it's Adam's sin that, was, that came into our lives through the fall. And so when Paul talks about, shall we continue in that sin nature? What he's talking about, shall we continue in, in not what we do, but who we are? Shall we continue to be who we were so we might have a, a greater influence upon our life through this thing that we call grace? And so it's, it's, it's what he's dealing with in chapter 6, and we, in our discussion, we've got to maintain just our, our understanding of, of, of the thing, because if we ever miss that point, we, we deal with our ability to really get victory, not over what we do, but who we are. And so it's, what he's talking about is that thing that's inherently present in every single individual uh, uh, who would follow after Adam. And so sin, folks, is the willful and expected response of the person who has not been reborn in Jesus Christ. And so if we're in a situation where we're, we, uh, where we're unsaved, really what we got, there's an expected response in our life. And it's always going to be sin. The expected response to the sin nature or walking in that, it's always going to be sinful. And so if you see someone that's constantly walking in sin, the acts of sin, chances are they've never put off that old sin nature. And if you're, having, if you're constantly struggling with sin, you need to go back and say, you know, have I ever deal, dealt with really the the sin nature of who we were? And the, the answer has got to be no. And so sin is that willful response and they will naturally act in accordance with that which is rulership over the lives, which is the sin nature. But, uh, and, I, and I think this is something you need to get in your heart in a huge way. Think about this. Uh, Colossians chapter 2, verses 12 through 15. And we talked about this the other day. I'm going to let you turn this. Colossians chapter 2, 12 through 15. 
12 through 15. He said, We've been buried with him in baptism, wherein you will also be risen with him through the faith and the operation of God who has raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and it took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. And this is what we brought up in our last class, verse 15. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in the cross. I, w- I want to stop there just for a second. Uh, if you're listening, if you're not listening to us live, what we do, we're actually in a live format, preaching the Word of God in a live format. And what we do is we operate through a a, a system called Stickem or Stickcam.com, S-T-I-C-K-A-M.com. And, and you folks that are watching us live, you see that. But what we are, we're in a a virtual live community where anyone can actually come on. And that's exactly the way that we like it. It would be just like sitting in a regular church service and allowing people to come in. Uh, But what we find in this is people that that don't necessarily adhere to Christianity. They come in and we we really welcome them. But what's amazing is, you know, uh, we just got a comment on our side that says, Excuse me? Yeah, he pops in and he says something. He said, I thought this was a joke, but you people are actually serious. He said, you're dumb, dumb, dumb. Good luck with the fairy tales. What's, what's interesting about that is the, the prevailing attitude of people. And you know what? Who I blame for that type of thing? I blame the church at large because the church hasn't been effective in taking the, the, the reality of the gospel to a lost and dying world. And so, folks, we, we welcome you. Uh, I noticed we got some visitors on here today. We, we so thank you for coming. But what I encourage you to do is to listen to what we're going to say. You, there's no way you can understand where we're coming from in 30 seconds or 60 seconds or even in, in five minutes. If you'd stay, stop and listen just for a second, you'll see the difference in this. And we really encourage all of our visitors. Many times we have people that are, uh, that are, that are, are atheists, they don't believe in God at all, that are very respectful that they want to come in and, and, and listen and not be disruptive. And because they genuinely want to learn and hear, uh, for whatever their motivation is, I, I'm not concerned with that but they want to cut and stop and say uh, see what's going on in here and so I, I encourage you uh, just like coming into someone's living room you wouldn't come into someone's living room and tear up their house uh, you know if they invited you in the door you'd probably come and you'd probably listen to what they were saying and so we invite you in literally to our living room but we just ask you to be respectful of the other people that are here if you have questions I will be glad to stay on as, uh, afterwards and do that we really can't field those because of the, the nature of this room and by, by the virtue of this teaching because what happens, a lot of the questions have nothing to do with our teaching. And uh, so we're just teaching on the book of Romans, and hopefully you'll be able to glean something from the specific teaching. But if you have teachings that are apart from what we're talking about, but relative to the Word of God, I'll stay and talk to them. Talk to you about that as long as you want, or you can email me, and I'll give you some very detailed answers to your questions afterwards. But I just want to say that for you that may be listening to this uh, in a format other than the live format and wonder sometimes why we stop and address things. We are we are live. These are recorded live and uh, we welcome folks to come. And so what we're talking about and I think that uh, that uh, I, want, I want to go back and say there's an expected response to the sin nature and that is the act of sin. That is the transgressions and things that we do contrary to the Word of God. And uh, but there, it's going to walk in, in when we have we allow that sin nature to have rulership over our life. It's always going to produce the same thing. It's going to produce something lower than the standard of righteousness. And so we've got to get this point that I'm trying to make out of Colossians two, uh, twelve through fifteen in our heart in a huge way. I think if we can grab a hold of what I'm, I'm fixing to, to repeat again, and I, and I talked about uh, talked about it just a little bit on Friday, is this point out of the fifteenth verse of Colossians two. Uh, uh, 215 
Speaking of what Jesus accomplished for us in the, cross, in the cross of Calvary and as a result through our faith in that work, what He accomplished for us is He has literally spoiled principalities and powers and He made a show of them openly and He triumphed over them in the cross. And so, folks, to, be, uh, to have triumph is to have a victory. You know, we, we see from the book of Romans in the 8th chapter, and we'll be there in a few weeks probably, uh, it talks about we've been made more than conquerors. We've been, have been given a greater uh, uh, triumph over those things. We've, God has given us a victory. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Our faith in what? Our faith in what Colossians chapter 2, verses 12 through 15 says. It's the work of the cross. And if you didn't put this in your notes on, on Friday, you need to put them in your notes today. And when he says principalities and powers, you know, there's so much of an emphasis in this day and age on spiritual warfare and, you know, praying over cities and pouring oil here and driving stakes and all these types of things. But folks, if you'll if you look at this verse specifically in relationship to what we're talking about and what Paul not only addressed to the church at Colossia and, and he addressed it to the, the, the Christians at Rome and to the church at Corinth and Ephesus and different places... If you look at all these things that are, that are uh, relative to that, you're going to find out that many times we're finding the wrong adversary. We're spinning our wheels and we're looking at things and, and battling things that really uh, we, we need to focus on. Folks, listen, you can bind the devil all you want to. Literally, you can do those type of things and you can, you, can, you can pray and say, Devil, I cast you back into the place where you came from. And I hear people say stuff like that. But you know what? The devil's still going about like a roaring lion. So something's not working. Something's not producing the victory. There's still a third of the angels that, that fell with Satan in his rebellion, and they're, and they're still going about deceiving the nations. And so all of this chanting and, and things like that, they obviously not uh, stop the flow or, the, or decrease the number of demons or evil spirits or that one solitary devil, Satan, one, one iota. And so if we're really, so what's, what are we telling? We're not, we're, we're not really getting, gaining the victory on that front. And so where do we need to get the victory? exactly what it says. We need to get the victory on what the cross got the victory over. Satan one day is going to be bound. The Bible says that for that millennial reign he'll be bound for a thousand years and he'll be released afterwards for just a season to, to, to try the nations or to see who's really following Jesus. Then he'll be cast forever in the lake of fire. But you know what? It's not going to happen prior to that. He's still going to go out to see that he's still, the, that, that he's still going to lie and accuse and, and tempt and all those types of things. And so what do we need to, to, to overcome? We don't need to generally overcome him. We need to overcome what he attacks. And that's what it's talking about here. And he says that Jesus spoiled principalities. Now, that word principalities, I gave you, I'll give it to you again. It is the Greek word arche. It is A-R-C-H-E if you want an English spelling of that so you can have it. And it literally means the beginning or the origin of something. And so when Jesus spoiled principalities, he spoiled the origin. He spoiled and specifically he spoiled the ability or he overcame or gave victory over the original sin nature. Do you hear me? He didn't give victory over what we do. He gave victory over first and foremost who we were. And so when we are that 2 Corinthians 5.17 new creature in Christ Jesus, the reason that we can be that new creature is because of who we are in Christ Jesus. We, we put on. And so when Jesus, when the, when the, 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 the Jewish theologian, literally in Nicodemus, that, that Pharisee came to him by night and Jesus began to describe to him, he says, unless a man is born again, he cannot hear, uh, inherit the kingdom of God. Unless a man becomes someone new, unless you go back to the arche, or unless you go back to the beginning. And he said, don't think it's strange that, that a man must be born again. And Nicodemus like, can a man enter once again into his mother's womb? And Jesus explained to him, no, I'm talking about being born again or being renewed of the Spirit. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh. 
And if you walk in the flesh and you walk in who you were or that sin nature, you're always going to fulfill those type of things. But what Jesus came through His blood and through the regeneration of the Holy Spirit is to change the origin of who we were. And folks, listen, for me, man, that allows me to breathe literally a sigh of relief. You know, here in the ministry, I know where I came from. I know the wickedness of my previous life. And, you know, you can, you can go to our website at www.biggrace.com and you can go to Raven Nation. And we've got leaders throughout there, pastors that are part of our ministry that head up teams. You can click on one of those and email those guys or pick up the telephone and call them. Ask them where they came from. Ask them about their, their times of drug addiction. Ask them where they came from in sexual immorality and deviant behavior and all those type of things. They'll give you a testimony. But they'll also give you the testimony of not just who they were, but the victory that they've gotten over sin as a result of that new birth. And folks, that's what we're talking about. If you're listening to these teachings and you're not saved, there is something exciting. There is something you've tried many times to overcome what you do and you've not had the ability to do that. Why? Because you've never allowed those things to be nailed to the cross of Calvary and let the victory over the arcade or the beginning of things. Jesus doesn't want to just come up and polish, uh, uh, polish up who you are today, but He wants to deliver you literally from, the, from the, the, the foundations of what you were in the beginning. And the second word there that's interesting, He said having spoiled principalities and powers. That word powers is the word excusia. And it's E-X-O-U-S-I-A. E-X-O-U-S-I-A if you want an English spelling of that Greek word. And it is the power of choice. And so when he says, uh, spoiled principalities and powers, he said, what I've done, he said, I've defeated, I've stripped away the, the, your past or the origin of who you were prior to the new birth. And he said, I've stripped away all those excuses or your inability to walk in victory. Folks, listen. The, the one thing that I always had is all, all I had was an excuse beforehand. You know, I want to do this. God, I want to walk right. Or parents, I want to walk in obedience to you, but I have all these excuses. If you're listening here today and all you're doing is walking in excuses, and, you know, if you're, if, if, if you're someone who has had the same bondages in your life for years and years and years, you, you've not got victory. If you're a young person today, and we have many young people that, are, that listen to this, uh, teenagers in, in that age group, if you're listening and you're always making those excuses, you just need to get saved. You need to get born again. You need to stop being religious, whether you're young or old, and you're walking those excuses because the Word of God says that when we are buried with Him in baptism, then we are risen with Him through faith of the operation of God who has raised Him from the dead, according to Colossians 2 and 12. And if we, if we were dead in our sins and of the earth and circumcised decision of the flesh, flesh, we've been quickened together with Him and He has forgiven us of all of our trespasses and boom, He's blotted out all the handwriting and the ordinances that were against us, all those old excuses, all those things about who I was and, and what I did before. And Christ Jesus can make you brand new. And so really, I just call you to genuine uh, repentance and faith towards God in your relationship with Him because He eliminated the arcade. He'll give you a brand new beginning. He eliminated the exousia. He'll, he'll, he'll remove the excuses of the devil made you do it or I just can't help myself or, or I went through this or my experience caused this. Listen, all those things, every single one of those things have been nailed to the cross of Calvary. So what happened at the cross is that Jesus provided that mechanism necessary to have victory not over the acts of sin only, but to have victory literally over the sin nature, over the beginning, over the origin of who I was. And so that is what Romans 6 gives us, is this mechanism to walk victoriously through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so He's provided the means to not only just change what we do or the acts of sins, but, but He has changed who we are by giving us that new born again nature. So, 
that the sin nature will no longer have dominion over our lives. And so he has gone to the arche and has given us that brand new beginning in Jesus Christ. And so this one thing, what I'm talking about, is spoiling the, the, the beginning, the arche, and removing the, the excuses. Should really, folks, I don't know about you, but it should provide all of us with the motivation uh, that one needs to, 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 to walk out this relationship in Jesus Christ. It should be all the motivation we need. We shouldn't need a continuous pat on the back or anything else. If I know that through the cross of Calvary that who I was is no longer who I am, and if I know that through, the, through faith in the blood of Jesus that, that, that all those excuses are, are rendered helpless, those things are, are rendered mute uh, in my life, that, that, that they have no voice to me no more, literally I should, should, should be able to walk victoriously through Christ Jesus in my relationship with Him. So when I say that relationship, I don't mean, hey, I got saved, now I can go about my own business. But instead, I'm, I, I am saved. And that is who I am. Who are you? I am saved. You know, when, when, uh, when, when Moses, when he said, who should I send them? He said, tell them I am. And so what we are doing is we are identifying with Christ Jesus. Christ is in us the hope of glory. And so I am saved. I am saved by the I am. The I am is inside of me. And the fruit of my life is, is as a beneficiary or as an heir together with Christ Jesus of the I am. And so what are you saved from? I'm saved from who I was and I've been made a partaker of the I am. I am has come into my life. I am who brought them out of Egypt. I am who, who caused them to walk across the Red Sea. I am who, who defeated the, 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 the armies of Israel. I am who brings victory over uh, hell, sin, and death. I am is inside of me. And so I am a follower of the I am. And that's who I am in the Lord Jesus Christ. And folks, listen, that should be the, the, the thing that we walk in that gives us the motivation towards victory. I am in Christ Jesus. I am in my prayer. I am in my worship. I am in my study. I, I am in my conversation. I am in my witness to other people. I am a product of, of being a, a, an heir together with Christ and being uh, 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 grafted into the vine who is Jesus Christ. And folks, that's ought to be what flows out of everything that we do is it ought to flow out of who we are in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so my prayer, my worship, my study of the Word of God, my conversation, my witness, they will testify as to the identity that has now been established for me as a result of the new birth and that crucifixion literally of the old nature that once dominated every thought and every deed of my life. And if my prayer, if my worship, if my study of the Word of God, if my conversation and my witness do not testify of that, that, that truth, I've got to go back and, and ask if my origins are. You know, I, I think about leadership within our ministry and looking at some of the things that are happening in, uh, uh, in quote-unquote, uh, the celebrity Christianity today, and I'm repulsed by it. I, I'm repulsed by the, the so-called ministers that are, that are divorcing their spouses uh, as ministers and as born again people, and, and thinking that that's okay, you know, in the news in the last week, you know, there's there's been a, a couple of instances of of really high profile uh, people that are uh, that have done things and are divorcing their spouses, and there's there, you can tell that there's this this fruit of impropriety that's going up and and immorality, folks. That's not okay. Me as a pastor, I will go on record here on what's the date today, Studio, the twenty seventh. The 27th of August, 2007. If I ever uh, am unfaithful to my wife, Melanie, in 21 years, if I ever decide for whatever reason to divorce my spouse 
and I say it's this uh, irreconcilable difference, never tune in to me again. Never listen to me again. Do you hear me? Never. Don't say, well, he's just a man. I, I am a man, but I'm a man that has now been born again by the blood of Jesus. I am not who I was. I do not have the excuses of saying I just cannot help myself. I have got a, a, a helper in the Lord Jesus Christ. So if I say to anybody that I'm, I'm divorcing my wife or I'm leaving Melanie, never, ever listen to anything I have to say ever again. Does that mean that I can't be saved? Absolutely does not. But I will have absolutely no business teaching you anything because I will not have walked in integrity. I will not have walked in the, in the faithfulness. James tells us, I believe it's three one. it says, Don't let many be teachers or masters among you, for upon them is a greater judgment or a greater responsibility. I'm telling you right here, and so if you want to throw at me, don't judge lest you be judged by the same judgment. Judge me accordingly. Judge me according to that exact standard that was given to us through the cross of Calvary. And what I'm telling you is these pastors and ministers that are leaving their wives and they're, they're, they're marrying someone else and they think they can remain in the pulpit, they think they, can, they, 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 they represent Christ Jesus, turn them off. Do not ever give them a nickel again. They have no credibility. They have no, they, 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 they have no integrity. Because the one relationship that God gives us in the Bible that's indicative, you can look at this in the fifth chapter of the book of Ephesians, is the marriage covenant. It's indicative of Christ's relationship with us. Husbands, love your wives as Christ gave himself for it. Wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands as unto the Lord. He goes on to tell them. He says, listen, he, says, he said, I speak a great mystery, but he said, I speak of Christ in the church. Now, folks, if we, if we want to preach a gospel of irreconcilable differences, that's one thing. But that's another gospel. And so these pastors that say, I have irreconcilable differences with my spouse or these, these uh, or situations, and they say, listen, if that's, the, if that's the testimony of their marriage, that's going to be the testimony of their message. Do you hear me? Their message is going to be a flaky, watered-down uh, message filled with, with the lack of integrity and the lack of truth. And I still want to say it again. I don't think I can underscore that enough. If, if you see me doing that, never listen to me again. Uh, any CD, any teaching... Throw it in the trash because it, it did not come out of a walk of integrity. I'll leave that just like it was. And so we have got to be identified with not who we were, but who we are in Christ Jesus. And so I want to raise that standard for you as believers. Folks, listen, I, I am a minister. I'm going to be held to a higher standard. And I, I ask you to hold me to that higher standard. And, and you know, in, in our ministry, go to our, our website, www.biggrace.com. And, and go to Raven Nation. You'll see a list of men there all across the country. If you want to know who I answer to, you can call any one of those men up and I, them, them men can correct me. Those guys can say, Pastor Troy's off. They can call me up. They can bring correction into my life. I am submitted to that correction. And so, uh, you know, I want to be submitted to that. I want to be that. Furthermore, if you, as just a listener to this program or anything that I'm teaching, if you hear me, something, hear me say something contrary to the Word of God. Now, if you don't like my personality, can't help that. If you don't like my, my delivery, can't help that. That's just, that's just who I, I am in Christ. That's just uh, the, the, the nature of, of the personality that He's given me, the, the, the boldness that He's given me to speak that. But if you've got a problem with me according to the Scripture... I have no problem with you bringing correction in my life and I welcome those type of things. And so we've got to be identified with that type of thing. And so, here's what he said. It's so interesting that, you know, it's, we, our life has got to testify. And when I say life, that's everything. Our prayer, our worship, everything. Our business dealings, whatever it is in our life has got to testify and be a witness of who we are in the Lord Jesus Christ. Putting off that old thing. Now think about this. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. 1 Corinthians 5, 7 says this. He says, Purge out therefore the old leaven that you may be a new lump. 
as you are unleavened. Folks, leaven is that yeast. It's whatever it's put into something that spreads throughout and infects the whole thing. And he says, he says, when we get born again, he said, we become a new lump. He said, so you have to purge out the old leaven. You've got to purge out and, and push away the old sin nature. You've got to, to get it out of the way that you might become a what? An unleavened lump? No, just a, a completely a new lump. You've got to become something brand new. You've got to become our what we're talking about here, that arcade in Colossians 2.15. You've got to go back to the very origin in the beginning. Now listen to this in conjunction with that. This is Ephesians 2.13-16. But now in Christ you were once far away but have been brought near through the blood of Christ Jesus. This is Ephesians 2, 13-16 for your notes. But now in Christ you were once far away, but have been brought near through what? The blood of Jesus. Not your own works, not your own goodness, not your, your name or your reputation, but strictly through faith in the blood of Jesus. You've been brought near. For He Himself, who Jesus all by Himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier dividing the wall of hostility. By abolishing in the flesh the law with its commands and regulations, His purpose, listen to verse 15, was to create to Himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. I want to get back to that part in just a second. That second, verse 15. And in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which He put to death their hostility. Folks, listen. We are in a battle with, with two natures. The, the new man, the new nature, and that old thing. But what Jesus came to do was to abolish that old nature, to, to, to that, old, that old man, that, that, that sin nature, and to, to make us just but one in Christ Jesus. That's why Jesus came. Not for us to always to have this wishy-washy type of Christianity. Folks, I know way too many people that have, have been faithful to go to church for years and years and years. You'll see them one, see them one moment, they'll be up, and you'll see them one moment, the, the next. And they, they live at this series of peaks and valleys. Folks, listen, that's not what Jesus came. He came to, to abolish those two, the, that, that living and trying to walk in that, that, that old nature. One minute I'm up. I'll tease people. Sometimes they'll, they'll call me up. and Because when I'm talking to the people that know me on the phone, they'll say, well, how you doing? I'll say, and I'm just teasing. I'll say, well, you know, I'm just really fighting a lot of depression and all these times. I say that because for me, folks, that's just ridiculous. You know what? What, what am I going to get depressed about? You know what? Jesus Christ, He's the author and the finisher of my faith. He's the one that will cause everything to work together for the good of those that love Him and are called according to His purpose. He's the one, according to Philippians chapter 1, that who began a good work and He's going to be faithful to complete it uh, unto the day of Christ Jesus. So what do I? what is there for me to get depressed about? I know that this, this life is but a vapor for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. And so what good is it to, for me to live with this up and down, wishy-washy life? There's not, it's senseless for me because I'm just gonna if I if I'm genuinely a believer in Christ I'm just gonna have to get up and walk in victory anyway. So why not just save myself the stumbling and just continue to walk in faith in Him and, and to keep my my face affixed to Him? Am I gonna have difficulties, trials, tribulations? Yes. Praise God for those type of things because those things only serve to remind me that I have to be dependent upon Jesus. That I can't be dependent upon the arm of the flesh because my flesh, my willpower, my circumstances, my ability, my knowledge, those things will fill me every single time. And so all my circumstances or my difficulties or my trials and tribulations uh, do is serve to remind me and keep me in check that it's not about my ability, but it's about my availability to the finished work of the cross of Calvary. And that knowing that He defeated the, and, and abolished and, and, and blotted out the handwriting, the ordinances, 
that the, the, the principalities, the powers, the archi, the arche and the and the exousia, the, 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 the beginnings and the excuses have been eliminated because of the blood of Jesus in my life. Those are all those things serve to do. But Ephesians, he goes on to say, Paul the Apostle in the church at Ephesus, he writes in Ephesians four, twenty one through twenty four, and he says this four twenty one through twenty four. Four twenty one through twenty four. He says this. He says, If indeed you have you have heard him and have been taught, taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Now listen, I want to say I want to say this. If indeed you have heard him, speaking of Jesus, and have been taught by him or in accordance with him or his word, him being Jesus, as the truth is in Jesus, and so he's setting you up. He said, Listen, if you genuinely testify and you say you're part of him, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're devoted to Christ. He says, if that's the case, he said, then it will mean that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man or the old nature which grows corrupt according to the deceitfulness of lust. And as a result of that, you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on. If you really are a follower of Christ, if you've really been taught by Him, if you're really walking the truth, he says that you'll put off your former conduct. Former conduct. And in verse 24, he said that you will put on that new man which was created according to God in true righteousness. What kind of righteousness? True righteousness. And what kind of holiness? True holiness. And so you won't, walk up and you won't be walking in some propped up religious pseudo-holiness or righteousness, but you're going to walk in true holiness and true righteousness. And so put off literally comes from that same root that we get that word arche from. Uh, the, the principality it comes from that, that same source or that same that, that same excuse me not the word principality but the same power or where we get that 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 that, that and so we that same ability to put off those type of things and it means that root means a removing or a separation from that which was old in order for, to facilitate that which is new and so if I'm putting off something what am I doing I'm, I'm it's it literally that word in that root means to be stripped off to bare nakedness. And so I'm stripping off. There's not a shred of anything left. I'm totally uncovered. And I've separated myself from those things. And it all literally means to be separated from something. And so if I've put off or I've separated myself from my former conduct, from my former lust, from my sins that so easily beset me, from my youthful lust, for whatever I want to call what I used to do, from my old man, my old nature, from my sin nature... If I'm genuinely separated, I'm stripped from those things. Folks, you will never, and can I say it again, you will never be able to walk in the newness of life according to Romans 6, 4 and, and Romans 7, 6 unless you disrobe yourself from the old life. And so if I want a new life or the resurrected life or the new, uh, the new life in Christ Jesus, I've got to disrobe myself or strip myself bare of the old life. Now think about it in relationship to this. 2 Corinthians 6 14 through 18. 6, 14 through 18. You've heard this quoted. You've said it yourself. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness or lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with, with veil? And for what part does a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idolatry? For you are the temple of the living God. As God says, I will dwell in them and walk with them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. And so there he says in verse 17, he says, Therefore, somebody say therefore, come out from among these things. Come out from among them and be separate. Same exact uh, Greek root word. 
Be put off. Strip yourself from those things. Says the Lord, do not touch that which is unclean. And then, as a result of it, I will receive you. I will be your father. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters. Says the Lord God Almighty. Folks, listen. We are not to be retreaded like some old tire to kind of just extend our usefulness, our lives. We are to be made altogether new, like a brand new tire through the transformation of the Holy Spirit. So. Don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. What if that unbeliever is your old nature? Come on. Sometimes we forget the greatest source of unbelief is not our company, but it's us in general. It's our old ways, our old desires, our old lusts, our old fears, our, our, the things that have, we've affirmed in our heart over and over again. But what does he tell us? He said, come out from among those things and be separated. Strip yourself bare naked from those things that have held you in check. Folks, because once we get victory over the archive or the principality of who we were, then the, the exousia or the, the, the power of excuses becomes easily dealt with. Why? Because then we're not making excuses to, to reinforce who we were, but what we are is we're making proclamations based upon who Jesus Christ says that we are because of His death, burial, and resurrection. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead in sin live any longer? I, I want to close with one more scripture this morning because we're about out of time. It's out of 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1-9. through 9. 12, 1-9. through 9. I, want to, I want to read this to you and we're going to close out. Paul the Apostle said, It's not expedient for me, uh, uh, doubtless to glory. He said, I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. He said, I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell or whether out of the body I cannot tell either. God knows. Such a one was caught up in the third heaven. And he said, I knew such a man, whether in body or out of the body I cannot tell, but God knows. How that he was caught up into paradise and he heard unspeakable words which are not lawful for a man to utter. Of which is one I will glory, yet of myself I will not glory but in my infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. For I will say the truth. But now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above which he, uh, he, which he that sent me, or heareth me. He said, lest, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. He said, There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most, uh, most uh, gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may be rest upon me. I want to, let me break that down for you. Paul the Apostle was basically sharing. He said, At one time I was caught up into the third heaven. I was caught, and I was able to see things. Then he goes on to say, he says, Listen, but something is always there as a reminder to me that I won't be exalted or think that I'm all that or I've, I've arrived. And he said there was, there was a messenger sent from, from Satan. Folks, you know, you know people have, have kind of talked about what that was. They say, well, Paul was blind or, or Paul battled. I, just, I don't believe any of those things are accurate can even be proved through Scripture. I believe it's really what Paul talked about throughout his whole writings. If you want to know what that thorn in the flesh was, so to speak, just look at what Paul wrote everywhere else. I, I believe what Paul was talking about, that thorn in the flesh, was that old nature. And folks, listen, every single one of us, when Christ comes in, uh, he's given us victory over that. And, and He's destroyed the, the works of that old nature, but He hasn't removed us, removed it from us. And so it's always there, uh, and it's always desiring to be empowered, but we have victory over it. And so what Paul was saying is, listen, what I see, he said, I, I still see inside of me who I used to be. I see the testimony of who I was in, in contrast to who I am. And he said, what that does, it keeps me from being exalted above measure. 
He says, because even though I have the victory now, even though the, the grace of God and the divine influence of God upon my heart is reflecting righteousness in me now, he said, I've always got to come with, to terms that that's not always who I was. That one time I was, I was like every other lost and unregenerate individual. And so it keeps me from walking in pride. It keeps me from walking in arrogance. It keeps me from, from walking in, 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 in this presupposition that, that, uh, that, that, that I'm all that or I, I have so much super ability by realizing the mercy that it was from God to take me. So I believe, in a nutshell, Paul's thorn in the flesh was his memory and just knowing that there was an old nature that he had to come out of. And folks, it's the same thing with us. Listen, what ought to give us victory, what ought to give us solace in Christ Jesus was realizing who we were. It was the testimony of I was once blind, but now I see. I was once deaf, but now I hear. I was once dead, but I've been made alive through Christ Jesus our Lord. So folks, uh, shall we continue? Say we say we should continue to sin that grace may abound? God forbid. And we're going to talk about what Paul was saying in verse 2 tomorrow out of Romans chapter 6. Folks, we are totally out of time today, but appreciate you so much for being with us. I'll see you tomorrow and invite somebody else to come and be a part of the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. Don't forget, this message will be available to you and download later this afternoon tomorrow. God bless you. Have a great day. Get into God's Word. God's Word will get into you.